that was Surprise, Surprise by the Rolling Stones, an early, I think, masterpiece, and uh, harks to the title of this podcast, which is number 265, and is entitled Surprise, Surprise. And the podcast is uh, occasioned by some remarks that Tullian Tavidjian uh, made recently that were striking and empirically accurate, in my opinion, and yet uh, surprising and uh, makes one really want to get to the heart of what's both right and wrong in the uh, giving out of real good news in human life and particularly in Christian terms and the gospel and why is it so um, chronic that um, voices that cry about grace and um, radical grace and the fierce love of God, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and who clamor for uh, a tremendous heart for the underdog, uh, actually in practice don't evince this at all in concrete terms. And similarly, some of the schools of thought in Christianity that are kind of law-oriented or sound, you know, the victory school of thought, what we um, contemptuously apply to people like Joel Osteen. Uh, in fact, when you're with those people, they are far more accepting and gracious than those who talk about it so much. Now, let me give you some actual examples. One of the ironies always of being on Instagram, which I enjoy enormously, is when very good people with wonderful uh, feeling and real uh, commitment will uh, cite a um, an author that we love like Robert Capon or someone who we might not think of, um, C.S. Lewis or um, any number of uh, thinkers and speakers and pastoral um, uh, theologians who will speak about grace in rare radical terms, the terms that we have found life-giving for ourselves. You know, that he is always there before you get, before you hit bottom, he's already hit bottom. Before you go to the furthest reaches and the uttermost parts of the sea, he is there, Psalm 139. There's nothing you can do that disqualifies you. The very worst you can do, God can uh, forgive and use for your good in your life and um, transform on the basis of uh, his office being at the end of your rope. And these are true and marvelous statements. But every time I hear them, especially from clergy, even very well-intentioned and outstanding young ministers, I want to say, tell me about it. I mean, yes, uh, we believe this in the nature of uh, the gospel, the nature of God's grace to us sinners and us people who are so wayward and so conflicted. What is that song uh, by um, by Jimmy Webb, a mixed up guy? You know, he says, whether you go or whether you leave, uh, he says to his lover, whether you, you know, love me or you reject me, as it were, it makes no difference because you're probably right anyway, because I'm a mixed up guy. <laughs> Look it up. Mixed up guy by Jimmy Webb. Great symphonic uh, arrangement in the background and choruses. Now, the point being that I hear these words, and yet I want to say, tell me about it. Now, what, am I, what do I actually mean? Well, Tullian said it very clearly. He said, now that he's in his current phase of uh, experience, having weathered a tremendous um, break with his, uh, uh, really, I think he would say, a, a kind of full breakdown of ministry, a shocking uh, chapter by which he lost so much that he had had from a human point of view and from a really, you might almost say, a religious or certainly a church point of view, he discovers something that I have also found to be true, that the um, people that... Uh, 
speak with tremendous stentorian passion about grace, especially in what you we might call the white evangelical kind of uh, circles. Um, they they don't evince it. They're the ones who have been most rejecting to him. They've been the ones who have been oh, offered the least grace to him. Right across the board, people who are tremendously um, uh, protective of, of the doctrine of grace and the justification of the ungodly by means of the cross of Christ. Um, these great affirmations of the Reformation, he finds that the actual people that would say that to the rooftops have been extraordinarily, um, have cut him off. And uh, so you say to yourself, well, how can that be? And yet then he will, he's constantly asked to speak in African-American churches or in Pentecostal congregations where um, he is, uh, where you might say that the message is one of victory. I mean, there's elements of this in, in uh, his reception by Paula White. Uh, Paula White's message sometimes can be um, put into a kind of a category of, uh, you know, name it and claim it, and what I guess people used to call a word of faith uh, approach. These are words that are new to me because I didn't grow up in it, and I, I've, I've never seen it before. But when it actually comes to those churches, they're the ones that invite him to come. They're the ones that are most open to his radical grace message, and in his case, he means it. They are the ones who have been dearest and kindest and most um, forthcoming and really embracing of his work. But when it came down to the to, to the wire, the, all his friends, you know, Humeki Masaba, they all fled. They all fled. And so here he goes to places that um, theologians of grace might say uh, are theology not of uh, the cross, but theology of glory. And yet they're the ones who are uh, embraced. And I, I said, well, why is this true of the African-American church then, which seems to um, speak in terms that verbally we might consign to the phrase the theology of glory. He said, well, I don't quite understand it, but they, they, they understand loss. They understand forgiveness. They understand sin. They understand uh, someone who's come to his absolute ending. And uh, therefore, despite what we may say of, uh, on a sort of litmus test of written doctrine, they are the ones who emit uh, events grace. And on the other hand, those um, who rest absolutely 70 times 7 on grace have been extraordinarily unforgiving. I found the same to be true in my own case. I have different circumstances to say it. And in my own case, and, and uh, um, Tallinn had a great uh, phrase. I think he called it missional legalism. In my own uh, denomination, there is absolutely um, enthroned, uh, it's the most important thing, bar none, of words uh, like inclusion, diversity, radical welcome, radical hospitality, uh, and it's a tremendous emphasis on the gospel as uh, being a proclamation of total openness and open door to uh, the broken and the marginalized marginalized and the groups of people in this country or any country that are sort of on the so-called outs. And it sounds great, but it's, it's not true. <laughs> I mean, every, every um, sort of traditional um, clergyman, male and female that I know in my own denomination, um, who's actually sort of 
not pandered or, or sort of not given up, but actually said something relevant to uh, views that are considered traditional about this or that, um, has been rejected. The, 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 you, you can't find anybody. And now the, the rejection has been written into church law, you might say. So you, you can't get ordained if you have uh, views that are now marginalized. Uh, and uh, you can't be a bishop if you have them. And you can't be called to most parishes if you have them. So what, what happens is that the 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 the, um, the voices that um, um, seem to be most passionate about inclusion and uh, radical hospitality um, create a massive exemption in your case, a, a massive exception, <clears throat> ausnama in your case. Uh, that is to say the case of a traditional uh, Christian or a, quote, Bible-believing evangelical or Anglo-Catholic Christian who takes either church doctrine in its full written form seriously uh, with authority or who takes the Bible in a kind of Charles Simeon way, as being decisive. We're not fundamentalists. Um, we're not homophobic, and we're not racists, and we're not misogynists. Um, the, the, uh, and even if we were, uh, you would have thought that there would be an embrace, because what doesn't God meet us? He's gone further than we can possibly go in our prosecution of our own sinful self-will and our uh, peccata. Well, are you kidding? Um, th th this is, what I'm saying is not to be distressed about that, but to be interested in it. How can, uh, on the evangelical side, churches that, and people that talk about grace fulsomely <clears throat> simply exempt people that have fallen and really run away like, you know, rats in a cage, run away like lemmings from uh, that which is... Um, uh, th that which is uh, truly fallen and, and not touch it with a 10-foot pole. And how can people on the other side of the church who are sort of missional legalists in which it, you, 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 your status, uh, your profile rises or falls to the extent that you're doing prescribed, prescribed missional works of this, that, or the other kind, how is it possible for such people who really, if you interviewed them alone, would protest that they have a very great heart for troubled, marginalized, single moms, uh, this group of that group, this demography, that demography, this ethnicity or that ethnicity, and yet how would it be possible for them to create a, a mammoth exception such that they've completely closed the door in, let's say, nine out of ten cases? There are a few people who, you know, are careful uh, on the more traditional side, but anybody who's sort of elided into a situation of saying a little bit more than they should have about certain contested issues is simply written off and actually driven out in practice, en fait. And I know these people, see, that, that no one wants to talk to them. I know them. great many of them have become Roman Catholics. A great many have become Roman Catholics, Roman Catholic priests. Uh, three, four, five, six, seven of the best Episcopal clergy, the best Episcopal rectors I ever knew in 45 years. And that's uh, the, these are outstanding, gifted pastoral people who brought growth and love and life and animation and tremendous vitality to parishes, Episcopal parishes, are now... Um, Roman Catholic uh, clergy married, but sort of serving in slightly ancillary capacity under the so-called ordinariate. Well, now, isn't that fascinating? Absolutely fascinating. What is the problem? Well, I was just um, thinking about this, and what do you think? Surprise, surprise. You know, it's very surprising. I'm surprised by the uh, what Tullian said when he uh, underlined the welcome that he had received from churches that evince a theology of glory in the written word but are unbelievably loving and caring when you've fallen 
down a hatch, even of your own doing, the things we have done and the things we have left undone. My own deliberate fault, says the revised alternative service in England. We have sinned by our own deliberate fault. And these people are catching people like I'm talking about. I'm so welcome at uh, Paula White's New Destiny Christian Center, and my history is different from um, any number of other people, but I certainly know what it is to feel uh, blacklisted and to feel uh, cut off. And here I go to this church, and uh, I'm on the internet. People know, you know, what I've said and what I've tried to accomplish, both for good or for ill. And it's like I'm, I'm, I'm so welcomed and loved and cared for, and they s- seem to really want me and Mary. Uh, what a wonderful thing! And yet, if I were to parse some of the sermons I hear, you know, it would be not at all what I've attempted to preach and what I believe is the the basic core message of Paul, but somehow in practice, they're um, evincing it. And yet, on the other hand, and the other hand, on the other hand. So what gives? Well, I think it has something to do with Pharisaism. I guess I, when we're, when we're trying to be something, or trying to appear to be something, or trying to come across as having certain um, approved uh, attitudes, uh, so that we will be well thought of by our um, uh, brothers and sisters uh, by the world, let alone the church, then we um, will actually be to some extent hiding out. It's not entirely accurate to our true way of thinking. In other words, if I'm uh, very strongly attempting to be um, uh, 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 the, the man for others, but I'm really uh, d- d- doing it out of a desire really to be judged, you know, sort of okay, kosher, then um, it's not real. It's uh, kind of an attitude that's uh, partly to gain something, and that is uh, Phariseeism. So when he talks about missional legalism, he's saying the legalism of, t- of telling everybody that my youth group and my you know, we're all constantly out there doing good, whereas you and I know that good works, which are wonderful and very fine and can be extremely moving and important for those both receiving and giving, are fruit from a root. They they can't come as some form of proving something, even something very good, because then you're hiding out, you're unintegrated. We're talking really about unintegrated uh, theology, unintegrated assertions. And uh, but if you're um, if you're really uh, uh, sort of free from that, and, uh, you know, you, you're used to people falling, and you yourself have fallen. I mean, Paula has a history a mile long, and she's very upfront about it. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, her pastors are very upfront about it. Um, she almost welcomes people the more they've run into heavy weather due to their own deliberate fault, uh, and and because that's where transformation always occurs. That's where hope always is found in redemp in redemption and release tidings of Jesus, redemption and release. Of the glad tidings, tidings of tidings of Jesus. I mean, do we believe this? Well, clearly not. And yet, when you find that it's, you'll go a million miles for a camel. I mean, I'll go, somebody said the other day that he'd driven 140 miles to come to Power Night at New Destiny Christian Church with Paula White and Jonathan Cain and the, and the gang. And, you know, I, I said to myself, well, God, that's great, but Ripley's, believe it or not, I, I drive a thousand miles. I mean, unless I could find it where I am. I mean, fortunately, you know, we've got this extraordinary new rector at All Saints Episcopal Church in Winter Park, Stu Shelby, who preaches the gospel. He preaches it and means it, and it's just fantastic being under his sermon. 
endorphins. I mean, you just feel better. You get something out of it. Church is not something that you sort of, oh, well, I, I think I got something during the second hymn or I, during the communion prayer, I noticed something that spoke to me or the, you know, the calling for purity this time really spoke to my need. But otherwise, and I, in other words, I was projecting my need onto the ancient words, which is perfectly okay, but I didn't really get something active from the church. But now I, you know, I hear Stu and I walk away, Renee, I walk away happy, you know, I'm a little bit of a fun in my step. Well, that's all I uh, wanted to talk about today, and I hope you've gotten something out of it. It has something to do with Phariseeism or needing to please that causes this disjuncture between those who say, the, you know, the fierce, relentless love of God or, or on the, you know, social progressive side, all the causes, and their lack of evincing it in practice, especially to certain uh, groups or people or individuals who have crossed a line that is uncrossable, even though they've said that Christ crosses that line way before we even get to making that horrible mistake mistake or that horrible decision, that horrible act of will and whatever it is. And um, so it has something to do with a, a kind of hiding out under the guise of wanting to be liked uh, or wanting to be approved of. And this is a, a fatal, absolutely fatal. And um, it's fun to be at places where you're accepted, uh, even in uh, places where you might not sign the dotted line uh, and where you're not only accepted, you're loved because love uh, conquers all. That's my thought. And we end with just a little bit of soul from Tyrone Davis. Change. 